The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of NBA Today Hoop Ball Presentation. I am your host, sometimes with the most, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to follow Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets on Twitter, online hoop-ball.com. And you know what? It's been a crazy couple of days, y'all. It's really been a crazy couple of weeks for me. Crazy month, honestly. And yeah, I know it's only November 4th that I'm recording this, but like, let's go from October 4th. Car issues, job change. Obviously, the election has been on everyone's mind. Basketball is starting now, you know, in, in December. It's starting in January. Is there really that big a difference? Yes, 500 million difference. So, you know, there, there's been some things. But we have some news to break up or <laughs> news to break down. Uh, and you know what? I kind of want to start with my mock draft, at least through the lottery teams. And then I'll come and revise that. I know we're only two weeks away from the draft. But guess what? We uh, already had a great draft show a couple um, days back with Raphael from NBA Draft Junkies. Definitely make sure to check that out again because it was a nice deep dive into lottery teams and, and players that are should be interesting in a draft that is, you know, it's deep on role players and maybe not deep. Okay, maybe is not the word. It is deep on role players and not deep on like bona fide franchise saving stars. I think I speak for literally anybody who's watched any of the draft and seeing that. So it'll be interesting to go and talk about that and um, break that down. But first, let's take care of some housekeeping real quick. All right, y'all. So support for Hoopball is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Now, I'm sure we all have horrible manscaping stories. You know, shaving gone wrong. I'm not going to share it here. You know, you want to stay positive. Be light. Plus, I don't want to embarrass myself. So we're not going to do that. But... Think really quick for like a minute. Okay, five seconds. Perfect. I'm sure you thought of a scary story involving manscaping and why Manscaped needed to redesign the electric trimmer. And redesign it, they did. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created, and they just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. And when I tell you, ladies and gents, it's premium. Like, it is premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes. That's an hour and a half so you can take a longer shave, right? The water-resistant technology allows the groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. But that's not all. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And we cannot forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud. Yes, it says show your mower off. <laughs> Loud and proud. I ain't gonna talk about it anymore because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So if you're listening to me speak right now, which you are, because NBA Today hoop ball presentation, I say it at the beginning of every show. I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code hoopball20 at manscaped.com. I'll tell it to y'all again. 20% off plus free shipping with the code hoopball20 at manscaped.com. One more time, y'all. 20% off plus free shipping with the code hoopball20. H o o p b a l l two zero. Let me say it again. H o o p b a l l two zero at manscaped.com. So news regarding the NBA season and its return. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, Zach Lowe, a ton of other NBA insiders. The NBA Board of Governors and Players Association will hold separate meetings on Thursday. You'll be listening to this by that point. Expected to culminate with an agreement on starting the 2020-2021 season on December 22nd. 
that is a month and some change away, y'all, and playing reduced 72-game schedule. And these are what sources told ESPN. So they're planning on taking a formal vote late Thursday, but mostly they're pretty much agreeing to have a pre-Christmas start to the season. They're going to hold team conference calls this week, including several um, that happened today, and that will kind of figure out the salary escrow for players in the range of 18% over the next two years. So they're expected to approve that, and that makes sense. Because of the money with the TV deal, that the NBA has. A December 22nd start that includes Christmas Day allows for not a full 82 game schedule, but enough that finishes before the Summer Olympics in mid-July because a lot of players from all over the country who are in the NBA also want to participate in the Olympics. So with that schedule, if they start before Christmas, that is worth between 500 million and 1 billion in short and long-term revenues to the league and players. That's a lot. And honestly, when you have a lot of dough, to be gained or potentially lost over a couple of weeks, I'm sure, you know, cooler heads ultimately prevailed. And yes, it's going to be a rush start for some, but you have to consider that most of the NBA, okay, that's not true. Let's say you had a certain segment that has not played basketball in a almost a calendar year. All of the lottery teams, they have, they have not touched basketball since then. Uh, pretty much most of them. The Suns, um, the Spurs, you know, teams that made the bubble, the Pelicans, they've waited a little bit longer, so they had a little more runtime than those who didn't weren't even in consideration. Then, of course, you have the teams eliminated early in the first round, then the second, obviously, conference finals, and then the NBA finals. So the two teams that potentially suffer the most are, of course, the Heat and the Lakers. But then, you know, you still have teams that almost made it. The Nuggets on one side, the Celtics on the other, varying degrees of recovery and rest. But... This is, a, and this, let me read this real quick. This is from Zona, um, at Arizona Sports Zone. Follow him on Twitter, at AZ Sports Zone. Really good with Suns coverage, but just general NBA coverage in general. He kind of gave this pretty good breakdown of what is going to potentially happen now with the season starting back on the 22nd, potentially, right? So right now, I said I'm recording this on the 4th of November. So in just over two weeks and some change, on November 18th is the NBA draft. Now, potentially, free agency will follow not even two to three days later. Oh, from November 20th to the 22nd would be potential uh, a potential date for NBA free agency. Followed by, three days later, November 25th is college basketball opening day. Let's fast forward about a week, December 1st, NBA training camp. And then finally, just over three weeks later, the NBA season begins. All of these basketball things are going to happen fast. You're going to see a lot more from NBA today than I probably expected. You're going to see a lot more from hoopball. In fact, some really cool things coming up five days from now, but can't break that to you yet. Sorry about that, y'all. But that's coming up really soon. I mean, there's going to be a lot that is going to happen. And you have to think about it. Drafting, you know, teams are going to, are they going to pick based off of, okay, best fit for a team like the Warriors? Are they going to make a move? You know, they've been talking about this for months now, but are they going to trade that pick and try to get a win now player? NBA free agency. You get on that team, congratulations. You chose Team XYZ. Great. Now get ready for training camp. Once training camp gets started, boom, boom, pow. And now we're in the NBA season. And of course, December 22nd, the game start. You know, Christmas is going to have that big slate. And what's going to happen to the stars? LeBron, who will be turning 36, I think just before Christmas or maybe just a little bit after, but in that month of December. Are we going to see some uh, some load management for him? Maybe some for Kawhi, just because of, historically speaking, the low management's been taken. But a lot of it being a rushed effort now, you know, with everything being what it is. So we'll have to see. In either event, uh, it should be very interesting to see how this plays out. Especially since there is a real possibility for Christmas basketball. Which, you know, whether excited or not, is something that could very well happen. So we'll keep monitoring it. I'll probably have another show right here, you know. You'll be hearing it tomorrow discussing whether or not it was approved. More than likely, that seems to be the case.
All right, let's go down to New Orleans, where, according to Sham Sharani of The Athletic, the Pelicans are openly discussing holiday and trade talks, and several contending teams are pursuing. You can definitely expect a team like Brooklyn to pursue uh, both L.A. teams, whether or not they have the assets available will do it. It should be interesting. Denver's been talked about for Drew Holiday for years, so that's another one. Um, I'm going to have... Uh, co-host of Duncan Dynasty and former guest on NBA Today, Garrett Bouguet, on this weekend to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. So I'm going to save that for more of a deep dive then, kind of toss around some trade ideas, whatever the case may be regarding Drew Holiday. But he currently has two years remaining on his current contract, including a player option worth $26 million for the 2021-2022 season. And, you know, he's a very good player. You know, he, he's been with the team since 2013. But the Pelicans are starting to rebuild around their younger players. Uh, Holiday's 30 doesn't fit the timeline at all. And he's coming off a campaign where he was pretty solid. 19 points, 6.7 assists, and 4.8 rebounds a game. You know, the Miami Heat are another team that's going to be interested in Milwaukee, Philadelphia. This is something that's going to be big. Um, by trading Holiday, New Orleans would likely want to add younger pieces that align better with the team timeline. Again, you know, there's something we will talk about moving forward. So I'm going to keep that short and sweet for now. But that's another piece of NBA news. And where might he go? I think it's fascinating. But like I said, uh, something to look forward to this weekend. Deep dive on the New Orleans Pelicans and Drew Holiday will be chief among them. So in a second here, I'm going to start just briefly running through my uh, Corbin NBA Today mock draft 1.0. It's kind of late, but it's November 4th. And I think having taken this time to wait has allowed me to watch more you know, film and, and get more reports from people higher up in the draft industry that I trust you know, with their takes and making educated takes on that. So I'm defending myself for my lateness, but I'm also excited that I'm going to get to it. So let's get started. All right, so remember, draft lottery happened just about a month ago. Minnesota has the number one pick, followed by Golden State, Charlotte, Chicago, Cleveland, Atlanta, Detroit, New York, Washington, Phoenix, San Antonio, Sacramento, New Orleans, and Boston. And I'm actually going to just run through those 14 teams for this initial uh Corbin NBA Today Mock Draft 1.0. Just gotta think they're interesting. And we'll go in depth uh, coming up in the next couple of days, weeks. You know, we literally only have two weeks. So, one of them to kind of run through a, a full uh, a mock here. See if we can get that done before the actual draft happens. But let's start off with Minnesota, who will come number one. And I have them selecting Anthony Edwards from Georgia. He was a shooting guard. Uh, you know, I, I think that. He's a great three-level scorer. He has great physical uh, uh, traits uh, for a guard, 6'5". He's 225 pounds. He's explosive uh, just in general. He is also really good at not only just, I would say, general creation. His assist numbers weren't great. Uh, just, I mean, definitely under three. But someone that I think was just in a bad situation in Georgia where he had to do a lot to kind of you know, make that team work. Um, and he also took some dumb shots. He shot 29% from three. A lot of that just on horrible attempts, in my opinion, that, you know, I think in a, in a normal NBA offense with players that can give him some space where you can maybe play, you know, off of penetration from others, he he has a chance to be, to be solid there. I think Minnesota takes him, uh, not only because of Malik Beasley and his uh, situation with the law, that may impact not only how much he gets, but whether he comes back to Minnesota, but also someone that can, you know, relieve some pressure off of D'Angelo Russell and Carlton Towns. Now, defensively, I do not like that at all between any of them. It's going to be pretty rough, but I do think that 
with Edwards, you have the guy who has the most likely potential to be a star out of this draft. That's my own personal opinion, but just the traits that he brings, I can see fit in the modern NBA as a star. All right, so number two is the Golden State Warriors. I have them selecting James Wiseman, the center freshman from Memphis. I think that Wiseman fits a need for them not only having an explosive rim-running athletic center who can finish around the basket, um, he also completes Golden State's lineup with shooters and passers, you know, having uh, Draymond Green and Steph Curry, having um, the return of Klay Thompson, even someone like Andrew Wiggins, having a big who can, you know, just focus on rebounding, running the floor, uh, playing pick and roll, relieving some pressure. He has a decent-looking jumper that might be able to stretch out to three. I think that's pretty solid. And also, I think that with Golden State, they can either keep him and, and run him as the new big, you know, whether just like they had JaVel McGee and Zaza Pachulia back then. Just someone, hey, take all the minutes, go for it. Or they can package someone like Wiseman for another deal, whether it's moving back in the draft to pick up another asset or taking a win-now player. Uh, you know, I, I've thought about a lot about trading to, um, not Wiseman himself, but the number two pick to Phoenix for like the number 10 and Kelly Oubre. That's just one that's been tossed around that I can kind of see work in my head. But it's just a thought. But I think that whether or not they trade the pick if they do select it. James Wiseman of all fits immediate needs for Golden State that they can use as they move to contend going forward. So number three is the Charlotte Hornets. I have them selecting Lamelo Ball. Uh, he played in Australia this year. Uh, six seven, great passing. Uh, I think that his shooting might be an issue. I just don't think that his shot is. I mean, just like any of the Ball brothers, their shot is not the best looking. That's fine. Mine isn't the best looking. I have a funky jump shot myself. Not that I'm comparing myself to LaMelo. In fact, let's just keep moving on. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is that I don't like his offensive uh, creation as far as shooting is concerned, but I love his uh, potential to push to the pace, his ability to get other players involved, his size and frame growing out is really great for a point guard, and you have two guards in Charlotte, in Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, who... I don't think are there long-term, you know? I mean, they're still young enough to be a part of the team, but I think when you draft a guy like LaMelo Ball, you're hoping to keep him in the franchise for the next decade plus, you know? And I think that he can do that. You can slowly work the Charlotte Hornets around LaMelo Ball, around his fit, around his strengths, around his weaknesses, and kind of go from there. And I think his special passing is something that will, will most certainly translate into the NBA. And although I may not be a biggest fan of his actual shooting and scoring ability, I can't compare him to... Lonzo Ball, because unlike Lonzo, LaMelo is a confident shooter. He will take the shot. He's not gun-shy at all about that. No, not at all. So I think that that fit for Charlotte, you're getting someone like you had in Kemba Walker, that is that new guy that you can build around moving forward. And so that's why I have LaMelo going three to Charlotte. Now, number four, I'm going to butcher this name, and I feel so bad, but Denny Adija, Um, he played at... Uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv. Uh, he's small forward, power forward, uh, basically like a, like a kind of big that can, you know, kind of play like a passing forward. I almost think like a Hidu Turkoglu minus the shooting in terms of secondary playmaking, someone who can be a versatile role player, someone who has a 6'9 frame and, and some decent athleticism. He can push the ball in transition. He can handle the ball in pick and roll. Uh, you know, he can make a, a, enough of a jump shot. I, you know, he, he's decent on that end. I think that he can um, definitely work on his free throw shooting. It's not super great, but he finishes well. He has a great 
grittiness, a toughness about him. And I think that you have someone like that that can go to Chicago and, and go from there and kind of help alongside Larry Markin and Kobe White and whatever happens to Zach Levine and be a, a young guy that they can start to not build around because I don't see him as someone that's going to be like a franchise player, but build with him in mind. And I think he might be one of the better fits for Chicago at that position. Uh, and I mean, you could always go other areas. You can always go grab another point guard if you want extra passing or if you don't feel like Kobe White is the guy. But I happen to think that he is for Chicago. And so I think that uh, Abdija does offer some skills that are, are going to be complementary to what the Bulls currently have. And number five, we have Obi Toppin. Now, the power forward center from Dayton, sophomore, 22, a little older for most rookies, but look at Cleveland's big situation right now. Uh, Andre Drummond has a player option. Kevin Love's 32. You don't know where he might go if he's traded. I don't think it's this year, but it might be next year. You want a big to fit around whatever you have going on. You have some young guards like Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. You have Kevin Porter Jr. You get a guy like Obi Toppin who fits in, who, who you know has a strong work ethic, has rapidly developed in the last couple of years. At 22, is kind of an older voice in the room for a young guy. And I think that that can fit well with what Cleveland's trying to do, whatever that is they're trying to do, because I don't really know if I have that much faith in their young system. But that is something you could think about. Obviously, defensively, he's not great, and that sucks for a team in Cleveland that was last in defensive efficiency. They were horrible. I mean, they were horrible on both sides of the ball, but defensively, they were bad. But uh, honestly, with Topin delivering on the offensive end, I think is great. He can space the floor out to three. He's able to run. He's great athletic around the rim, or reminds me of Amari Stoudemire in that way. He can pass a little bit. Uh, his hips are horrible on defense. You know, like Shakira says, hips don't lie. Uh, Obens do on a, a consistent basis. But uh, hopefully the athletic ability that he has can help him to kind of recover, block some shots, play, I don't know, big. You know, so that's something I'm interested in seeing. But Obi Toppin at number five going to Cleveland. So at number six to Atlanta, have Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, he's a, a, a mainly a point guard. Also can play some shooting guard. Sophomore from Iowa State. I think you need someone to take some pressure off of Trey Young. A secondary playmaker would be great. If you look at the on-off numbers for the Hawks when Trey Young was off the floor, they were terrible so much so that they did make that midseason trade to bring back Jeff Teague, which worked, you know, nominally effective or effective nominally. I'm butchering the word, but basically it barely worked because, you know, Jeff Teague just isn't. A, a great point guard in the NBA anymore. He's still, like, I guess, a, a back-end rotation dude, but he's not someone to be carrying your offense, you know, when trailing's off the floor. But even that was great for the Hawks because they had nobody like that before. Evan Turner was totally ineffective, and there was no one else on the um, Hawks roster that was able to do that. But according to Synergy, uh, Halliburton graded in the 99th percentile, a spot-up player. Uh, that's Synergy in a report on Bleach Report. He can shoot the ball pretty well. He has solid catch-and-shoot capability, and I think that's someone that can help them. And yet, look at Atlanta as a team that wants to contend. Um, and not contend for a championship, but contend for a playoff spot. Uh, they don't want to be in the lottery anymore. They don't want to be in this situation this time next year. At least, that seems to be the mandate or, or the direction from the front office, definitely from Trey Young. And so you want someone in Halliburton who can make an immediate impact, maybe make some moves around that. And then you have a team that at least has more defined roles that have a high upside for success if you're Atlanta. And so I think that's interesting. I think he is a good fit there. Now, this guy's been slipping, but... For Detroit, I didn't realize or didn't, I don't know, it was weird for me on where I wanted to go. Did I want to go with the guard for Detroit? I mean, did I want to go for like a big man? Like what What was my thought process for Detroit? And I was going to talk, I was going to go with Killian Hayes and I'll talk about him a little bit later. I ultimately ended up going with Isaac Okoro. Now, Isaac Okoro is a swingman from Auburn, a freshman. I didn't, here's the thing about um, Okoro. 
he's an amazing defensive player. His IQ there is top notch. He's someone who can who has flashed some potential as a, a secondary creator with some nice moves. He's someone who can you know finish okay. Um, he's athletic. He's tough. You know uh, he can he, his his uh, passing. I already said is solid, but his jump shot is a wreck. Like his jump shot is a wreck. It's it's all over the place. He was not a great three point shooter. Um, he's someone that you know teams will definitely be able to say, "Hey, bomb away, do what you want, bro." And that might be an issue as far as the offensive end. But for someone so devastating on the defensive end, I think that he's a tremendous talent to have. He won't even turn twenty until January. He has a reputation for being a hardworking dude, and I think that you can't really instill that, especially for someone that young that that goes and starts there. And you can go in Detroit and say, "Okay, you know." Um, Here's your hard hat, son. Let's get to work. Let's make this happen. Now, the one thing I think is weird is that I see, like, and this might be a very, very bad um, comparison, but, I mean, I'm not, like, a draft expert or, or NBA comp guy in that way. I almost see a lot of Stanley Johnson in him, uh, except that I think that Okor was a way better in terms of his defense, obviously, and then also his uh, his, his passing. It's really, it's really not solid. But his shooting is a wreck, and I just hope that that's not a repeat of of what that was. So we'll see how that goes. But that's where I have for the Pistons at number seven. For the Knicks at number eight, it was weird again because I wasn't sure where I wanted to go with them. I mean, a point guard. The Knicks need everything, right? Ultimately, I ended up going with Devin Vassell. Uh, Devin Vassell, solid three and D guy. Uh, you know, he can kind of work with a team that I think between. Uh, with with the Knicks, you have guys. They had like 18 million power forwards on that team. But if you're looking at it, they also have some guys who are on the roster who are guards. I mean, R.J. Barrett will have the ball a lot. Frank Nilkina will have a chance to redeem himself. Dennis Smith Jr. is still around. You know, even guys that aren't guards but are guys who can handle the rock like uh, Kevin Knox a little bit will be there. Don't forget Alfred Payton already. You know, there's a guys. Damian Dotson um, who's out there but can come back. Like There's guys out there that I think will have the ball that for the Knicks as far as fit, you want someone who can play off of it, uh, someone who can shoot it really well, and Devin Vassell is a guy who can shoot the three and play defense, a quintessential role for a team that's trying to find some sort of stability, and I think that that's what the Knicks are trying to do, and that's why I think that they should look at Devin Vassell. So, whew, that was that was a lot. <laughs> There's only eight teams. Let's get to number nine. Uh, we have Washington Wizards. I, I want to go with uh, Onyeka and Kungu. Uh, I think that he's someone that's a, another athletic rim-running center. Uh, he has really good footwork. He's someone who can finish around the rim. I think that he would give the Wizards some extra uh, rim protection, uh, not just with Rui Hachimura, but also behind him because Hachimura as a defensive player is, is interesting. So that's someone that I would definitely look at for the Wizards. You have John Wall coming back. You have Bradley Beal already. Troy Brown Jr. had himself a decent year. I think you're looking to shore up that defensive end, and I think when you do that, you're looking at a guy like Anyeke Nkongu. So that's someone that I hope um, Washington selects. If he happens to be available around at that point. Remember, this is my mock draft. I think that there are some that are different. All of them at this point, just a quick aside, all the mock drafts are kind of, I think they're all reaching consensus, and like there's a few that have changes because, like, Draft experts really believe that there's uh, the stock higher in one or the other. And there's a few that I think have changes just for the sake of changes. So it's really weird. But, like, either way, that that's something I find pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that falls. But if Nkongu fell to Washington, I think that that kind of shores up a center spot. Even if he is kind of 
small for a big, he's 6'9". You know, he's a big guy, but like for an actual center, you know, I, I shudder to think of what he would defend against Joel Embiid or someone of that ilk. But, I mean, the good news is you don't have a Joel Embiid in every team, so I think he'll be fine. Uh, for the Suns at number 10, I struggle between going with a guy like Devin Vassell or a guy like uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. Uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. I end up going with Killian Hayes. Uh, Killian Hayes is 6'5". Uh, he, you know, he has a, a good frame. His passing is great. I think he's one of the best passers in this draft. He's a guy who can finish around the rim. Uh, he has a nice floater. He has a solid pull-up game. His shot creation looks pretty solid to me. And defensively, I think there's something there as well. You're looking for a guy who can take over for Rubio. You know, when his contract expires in a year and, and some change, someone who can play alongside him in the meantime. Uh, Ty Jerome is not the backup guard for the future. I'm sorry. Cameron Payne isn't that guy. Although I did love. The impact that he had in the bubble for Phoenix and so with Killian Hayes you're getting someone who you can potentially groom as the next guard of the future and that's why I'm looking there um for the Spurs I again floated this back half I floated all over between guys and I actually would like Devin Vassell on the Spurs just another 3 and D guy that would be solid but I actually picked uh Kira Lewis Jr. and I I think that yeah you have DeJounte Murray uh you have um Derek White, but I think I think that Kira could stand out, and maybe you move Derek White. Uh, you Dejounte say for long term, but Lewis is fast, man. He is fast. He can get to the rim just so quick. His dribble penetration is is crazy. He turns the corner fast. Um, coming off the bench, I can imagine putting pressure on defenses, uh, knocking down jumpers. You know, he still have, needs some time to kind of shore up his decision making. But he just turned 19 years old just a couple months ago. And I think that with his skill set, um, just put that on San Antonio. I mean, Lonnie Walker Jr. has flashed uh, great potential this past season. DeJounte Murray, I mean, they'll show up that guard rotation. They should. They have way too many guards. And I'm not saying that uh, Kira Lewis would, would get advanced playing time, but maybe that helped them kind of shake out what they want to do with the rest of those guards, who stays and who goes. And I'm not even going to try to jump into that because I, I don't know. But that would be my thought. Um, for the Kings... I chose Precious uh, Achua. Uh, I, he's a center freshman from Memphis. He got a lot of time when James Wiseman was, was, wasn't was playing. I think that he's another guy who, you know, he's athletic. He's a switchable defender. He's someone that can finish around the rim as well. Uh, just a high-energy big. I think Sacramento's trying to figure out what they're trying to do. I think De'Aaron Fox is already the point guard of the future. And honestly, the one guy of their core that I see long-term uh, depends on what you think about Marvin Bagley, but the, the Kings need to figure out what they're trying to do, and I don't know what that is. I, I'm sorry. I really I really don't. When we get to them in our offseason preview, they'll be a fun team to kind of uh, meander through it and figure out what's going on, but in my mind, I'm looking for a guy who can you know, potentially be a long-term role player. I don't know if I'm getting anyone here that's going to be the next uh, great player on, on the next great Kings team. In fact, don't, like I said, don't see it aside from Fox. And I don't think getting a guard alongside De'Aaron Fox will, unless they make a great tandem, will work well. So that's what I'm going with Precious uh, Atua. Now, number 13, uh, you have the New Orleans Pelicans. And I decided to go with Aaron Naismith. He will, is the best shooter in the draft. I think that having someone like that opens up the floor so much for Zion Williamson, uh, for uh, Brandon Ingram if he returns, Lonzo Ball. You have a guy who's a knockdown shooter who can make an impact similar to what Cam Johnson made on the Phoenix Suns this past season. Like, does he do a lot else other than that? No. No, he doesn't. But he's someone that I think would, would be great um, as far as a plug-and-play plug shooter um, coming off the bench for New Orleans. All right.
lastly, at least for tonight, Boston Celtics. Uh, and remember, they got this pick from the Grizzlies in a trade a couple, a, a little bit back. But for them, I chose a, another guy, another shooter in uh, Desmond Bain. Uh, he's someone I think can play on the wing, do some immediate help. I think that off the bench he would be great because if you look at Boston, you know, they're three best guys. And this is, I actually forgot to mention this, but there was another rumor that Gordon Hayward uh, may want out of Boston either by opting out or, or going in a trade. So you bring someone who is a shooting guard but can kind of play alongside the Celtics, maybe bump up uh, Tatum and Brown to the three and the four, and then slot best um, slot Bain in at the two alongside um, Kemba Walker. So that would be interesting. But he's someone, again, that can play. Uh, he has really good passing instincts, solid on the defensive end, and his shooting is very good. And so I think he'll be a great fit there. So that is my list, at least right now, the initial mock draft the Corbin NBA Today mock draft 1.0 uh, 2.0 and 3.0 or whatever whenever they come we'll stack up real quick because of the limited amount of time that we have before the actual draft but better later than never and like I said I did a great or had a great show had a great guest with Raphael by NBA Draft Junkies uh, a week or so back definitely make sure to check that out for more of a deep dive into some of these players but that will do it here for us on NBA Today again make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA Please make sure to follow the fine folks of HoopBall, hoop-ball.com, and on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Remember, HoopBall20 is the code for the Manscaped 3.0, the Lawnmower 3.0. Check that out, if you will. And until next time, y'all, I am Frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And I'll talk to y'all. Alright, <laughs> y'all. This has been a HoopBall presentation.